Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Somebody say praise the Lord. We welcome all of you to the house of God today. This is our baby dedication service, and uh, we are... We are thankful for those families and or friends that have come to be a part of that. And we welcome all of you. Would you welcome our guests here today? God bless you as you are seated. know the nursery rhyme, Rock-a-bye baby. You ever think about the words? <laughs> Rock-a-bye baby in the treetop when the the when the bow breaks the Down will come, baby. What in the world? Are we doing singing this to our children? I used to have a little music box where that thing would play. And it was so, the music is great. The lyrics are morbid. And you know, you don't pick up on those things until you're actually singing them as a parent to the child. And I'll never forget Lakin, having, having Lakin in my arms and singing these lullabies, you know, uh, nursery rhymes. A lullaby is to lull the baby to sleep. And, you know, and you're, you're rocking back and forth and you're singing rock-a-bye baby. And one day it hit me in the treetop. When the bough or the limb breaks, the cradle will fall down, will come baby cradle and all. Then you start thinking, hold on a minute. What am I putting in my kid's head? I mean, it sort of goes along with the theme as we would hop around as little kids. uh, Ring around the rosy, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all... What in the world? Posies are flowers to put on a grave. Ashes representing death and the bubonic plague. And then if it gets any better, London Bridge is falling down, falling down. I mean, this is, this is chaos. And what in the world are we doing dancing the songs about dying and bridges falling and cradles with tiny little babies falling out of the top of a tree? And I, I don't know, it changed me. Cindy and I started, I started making up my own. 
I did. We started getting our own and, and I remember one of them, but they will throw a, you can see that's, that's me and that's daddy right there and, and, and Lakin right there. And I would make up songs and sing to her. And I would say, she's got pretty blue eyes and a pudgy nose, chubby cheeks and stinky toes. A dirty diaper and fuzzy hair. That's what I'd sing about her. She's my lakin everywhere. And I, I'd do that. She'd just grin and laugh. She didn't know what I was saying. But I had my own. But we, we, my, my wife was so intentional. She, she bought some positive ones, you know. And, and uh, it, it would sing, itty bitty baby girl. You didn't come to hear me sing today, but daddy's pride and mama's girl. Tiny treasure, so petite. This is something about the baby for me, but the, I, I told Cindy, I said, Lakin could be in a dead run. We played it so many times. If you would have hit that, that song we played to her over and over again, she would have fallen asleep midair and hit the ground. I mean, <laughs> lullabies and, and rockabies and nursery rhymes and something that we all do as parents having children here today. And, and uh, I imagine by the core, you're glad to see the babies go to sleep having twins at that house. And uh, so here we are today. And, and, and I started looking up, what did it mean? Where, where in the world did this, this song come from about bowels break and cradles fall? And I look and Wikipedia makes, says that the rockabye baby lullaby or the nursery rhyme is possibly the first writing of poetry on American soil. The first piece of poetry ever written. It is assumed that a English family that landed here saw the Native American culture and this is what they believe is that they saw that the Native American women would make their cradles out of, of birch wood. They would actually tie them and hang them to the bough of a tree so that when the wind would blow, the cradle would actually rock back and forth. It says that it didn't start out necessarily the words that we see, but they changed it to be a little bit more negative as other children's rhymes seem to be. It says that the full version would have went something like this. Rockabye baby on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. If the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. Mother will catch you, cradle and all. That's better. Baby is drowsing, cozy and fair. Mother sits near in her rocking chair. Forward and back, the cradle she swings. Though baby sleeps, he hears what she sings. Baby is sleeping, it's easy to cry. Uh, baby is sleeping up in the sky. On a soft cloud, it's easy to cry. Angels keep watch as you will sleep. So hush about baby, don't make a peep. Rock about baby, do not you fear. Never mind, baby mother is here. We little fingers, eyes are shut tight. Now sound asleep until morning light. It appears that what would have been positive somehow through the English culture turned it into another ashes and London bridges and and chaos and negative. Can I tell you, say to the parent that they are a piece of clay and that whatever we put in them, that's what's gonna come out of them. 
If we teach them to fail, if we teach them they will never succeed, then you know what? That's the path that maybe they will take. But can I tell you today, there's another bow in the scripture. The Bible says that Joseph was a fruitful bow that stretcheth across the wall and much fruit's gonna come out of him. Joseph was a type and shadow of Christ that would make a difference and bring much blessing to a whole entire world. A wind is a representation of the breath of God or the spirit of God. And so even though it was a Native American culture to hang the baby from the bough of a tree, a baby that maybe was restless and needed to get some sleep. It was the wind that would begin to blow, that would rock the child back to sleep. Can I tell you today, the psalmist wrote, he said, I wanna be like a green olive tree planted in the house of God. Could I say to you parents that are here dedicating your children is that we didn't make sure they are in the house of God because that's where the breath of God is. That's where the rest of God is. That's where the peace of God is. And that when the wind blows, it brings a quietness to their spirit. I realize I'm talking a little bit about Lakin today, but there was a moment when she was about two two years old and her spirit was troubled and what a timeout chair would not fix. You could put Lakin in a timeout chair and she wouldn't leave. Sometimes I'd forget about her, you know. You know, I don't know who comes up with the rules of this, but they say if they're a year and a half old, you put them in a timeout chair for a minute and a half. And if they're two years old, you put them in there for two minutes. And if they're 15 or 20 years old, you put them in there for, uh, I don't know. Uh, I haven't figured that one out yet. Or can I get a parent that's with me right now? But I would forget about her and she would be in the quietness. And, and, uh, but I'll never forget one day, I'll never forget one day, I was up in the room trying to rest from a loud crowd. We had a lot of people at the house. I went up there and was laying in her bed to get, get away for a minute. My, I had noise in my head. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I got up there and I'm laying down and I looked and her door open. Here she came pressing in there about that tall. She came in there and she got on her knees and started praying. She didn't know I was in the room. When she got on her, she started, I heard her, she got on her knees. She said, Jesus, will you make Sawyer share his toys? <laughs> then she got up and went out of the room, you know. I remember one day what a spanking wouldn't do and what a timeout chair wouldn't do. I, I put her in my arms and how many of you parents know what I'm talking about? There was a moment you just didn't know what else to do. I mean, first parents are, you know, the first kid is the tryout. Am I right or wrong? And I'm sitting there on the floor and I just thought, I'm just gonna pray. Man, I started praying. I'm telling you, I felt the breath of God come in that room. How many know the presence of the Lord that comes over you? And when the spirit of the Lord came over me, I felt her just relax in my arm and she felt the sleep. She wasn't troubled. She was obedient. She was following. I'm just talking about a small tot as a kid. What is it saying? It's saying that there is a rest that we can only find in God. Sawyer was the child that needed no sleep as a young man. Sorry, didn't need any sleep. And uh, my wife would say, I just wish he'd take a nap. Six o'clock in the morning, he'd wake up. We had, a, I mean, he just bounced. We had a little bouncy thing for him, you know, a little, one of the little jump up deals. We put him in that and you'd hear, it made noise. I mean, too bad he didn't make a silent one that he'd get all the energy out. But it, it's just chicka, 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 chicka. My brother's there and his wife and at 6 a.m., they were awakened out of a deep sleep to Sawyer bouncing in this little bounce up toy. And uh, I'll never forget one day that I took him with me. When he was awake, he was awake, wasn't he, honey? He hardly ever rested. 
And I took him for my prayer time at the church. And uh, when I walked in this room and I was holding him, Brother Aaron, when I was holding Sawyer and walking around, I mean, it was early morning. Soon as the prince of God breathed on me, he relaxed in my arms and went right to sleep. That was a miracle, by the way. That was a miracle. But he went right to sleep. It was the breath of God. And I say to every parent in this room, I say to the parents that are dedicating your children, is that please understand what knowledge will not do, what correction will not do, what a timeout chair, what instruction will not do. They are made in the image of God. God is their source and they need to feel the presence of God or they're gonna be looking for something elsewhere. How many know we need the glory and the presence of God? We need the breath of God. We need the wind of God. We need them to be connected to something that's given life. Something that provides shade from the weariness and the heat of our culture. We need our children to be in the presence of the Lord. So where they don't run to trouble, they run to the presence of God. Amen. When they made a mistake, they don't run from him. They run to him and say, I need to be connected to the Lord. Can the church say amen? amen. The biblical precedence for what I want to say to every parent in this room today as I teach on family for a moment is that in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, you can turn there if you like in your Bibles, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Praise God. Amen. Won't we stand for the reading of the word of the Lord? Amen. Let's stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. How many love his word today? Singing bad lullabies to your kid, praise God. Look what it says. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha, everybody say Martha, received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also, everybody say sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Oh, but Martha, oh, Martha was cumbered about much serving. Didn't just say serving, but much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. Man, you know when the Lord calls your name twice, you're in trouble. It's like when my mom would call my middle name. When she said, Aaron Keith, it's over. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Everybody say one thing. Jesus said one thing is needful and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You may be seated. Today, I'm teaching you from the lullaby, rockabye baby. A wind that blows, a rest that comes upon them due to the wind and where the baby is placed. Can I say to you the biblical precedence for this is that your children, your children do not need an unbalanced parent. They do not need to see you just busy. Here's the story. 
It appears Jesus has showed up in Martha's house, whether invited, I'm assuming he was invited. I imagine that she invited him over. She knew he was coming. What is she doing? She is cleaning the house. She's serving. She's getting dinner ready. She is, she's, she's making sure She's making sure everything is ready. And, and, and if you would look at the picture here, you ever notice that when you were trying to get the house ready, the company always shows up 30 minutes early? Can I get a witness from somebody? Inside the house is going something like this. Boys, get those toys up. Get them up, get them, put that stuff in the, in the corner and trying to get anything that would be, be oh, we got to put these papers away. We got to do this and, oh, we got to take care of this. We got to make sure the, the couch is fluffed and, oh, oh, and get the dishes all washed up. And I imagine she was trying to get the, the, the clothes put up, things on the shelf nice and organized. She's turning everything to face and make it look like she's real organized. You know, she's make, making all the, all the clay pots face the same direction and do everything. She, she's trying to get it right. Oh, man, we got to get it right. Jesus is coming. Everybody say Jesus is coming. Uh, she's, she's wiping everything down. She's, she's getting it ready. And when the world's a tree growing in this house, I don't know why. Thanks here. She's trying to get everything ready. She's busy. She's busy. She's getting it all together. She's, she's serving. She wants to be just perfect. Oh, Jesus is coming. We got to get, we got to get it perfect. And, and Jesus comes in. I don't know if he showed up earlier or not, but he, he's there. What I do know is Jesus is there and she's still working. She's still trying to get things ready. She's still trying to get everything situated. And she looks over and uh, she looks over. Emily, Emily, come here. You're going to be Mary. Come on up here, Mary. This might have been what Mary looked like. I mean, she might have had a red hair, but today she has red hair. I don't know. And Mary is just set right here on this step and face this direction. Would you do that? Just sit right here. Yeah, yeah that, that's good. And uh, Jesus is going to be right here. You're having a conversation with Jesus, okay? And Mary is having a conversation with the Lord. And I, I imagine Jesus maybe was sitting and they're talking in, in, in this. Martha is over there. Oh, she's dusting, she's cleaning, she's getting everything together. Oh, she's getting dinner ready. She's got, she's got bread in the oven. She's got all oh, this, oh, gotta have it perfect. Just want it, want it to be perfect. And all of a sudden, she is annoyed. Jesus, hey, Jesus. Doesn't it bother you that I'm over here working real hard to serve you and get this house ready? She's just sitting there doing nothing. Nobody in this building has ever felt that way about getting something ready. <laughs> Honey, what are you doing? We've got company. We've got this. And here it is, Martha. Martha is complaining because while Martha is cumbered about, while Martha is busy, Mary is sitting, appearing, doing nothing, She's doing nothing talking to Jesus. She's just, would you tell her, can you see that I'm over here alone? Would you tell her to get up from there and come over and help me? And Jesus' response to her was this, Martha, Martha. I would say to every parent in the room, parent, parent, listen to me. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. The word careful actually means anxious. Caring so much about the detail, that having it exactly right for the company, so wanting everything to be perfect, that you actually are dealing with anxiety to get it ready. And because you're so careful, you are now troubled. Everybody say troubled. Oh, it's got to be right in the trouble. You ever notice that when people are troubled, they're usually troubled with somebody? Her trouble has now led her to be troubled with somebody that is not doing what she thinks she needs to do. He said, you are troubled about many things. He said, but one thing is needful, Mary. 
One thing is needful and Mary had chosen that good Martha. You're out of balance. Mary has found it. Mary has chosen the good part. You mean to tell me the good part is sitting doing nothing? The good part is not being busy? He said, listen, you got to understand in the Bible, all of the ladies and gentlemen hear me today. The Bible says that he that slumbereth is going to be given into poverty. He that rolls over and goes asleep will be given into poverty. Bible says that a man that doesn't work and support his family is worse than an infidel. The Bible does tell us to work. Can you say amen? But it doesn't mean work seven days a week. It doesn't mean to get out of balance with busyness. And in our culture trying to keep up, can I preach to you today? In our culture trying to keep up, if we're not careful, we will build financial budgets that we have to work overtime to fix. God did not design any of us to work seven days a week. How many know that's very, very true? He did not design anybody in this room. What you will do, you will find yourself imbalanced. He only gave you an enough emotion, everybody say emotion, and strength to work six days. He said a law in the Old Testament, it was called the law of the Sabbath, and in the Sabbath, on the Sabbath day, you weren't even allowed to pick up a stick because he knew you would try to get your list done seven days a week. If you work, can I say to you, if you work seven days a week, you will never get your list done. Your list will only get bigger. And what he was trying to teach Martha was simply this. You're careful, but you're troubled. She has found something. Let me, let me just tell you what he's saying. Mary's going to get more done taking time for this than Martha's going to get done taking care of this. Can I say to you, it is a biblical precedence. It is a biblical principle. It's like tithing. You take 10% of your income and say, this belongs to the Lord. I'm not going to use this for me in any way. I'm giving it to God. And guess what? God allows you to get more out of your 90% than you get out of your 100%. We believe that as Christians. It's biblical. Can I say, amen, that's all right. God allows us to get more out of and here's the problem. There's a task list. We got company. We got parties. We got this to get done. We, we have this to get, get ready for. It's, June, it's, it's May, almost June. The grass is growing exponentially. And uh, my, my, wife would say, my wife would say, I don't know how our kids can go through so many sets of clothes in one day. Is there a witness in the house? Then she turned around and said, I don't know how you go through so many clothes in one day. Work, clothes, dishes, Dinner, and you gotta get up and do it all again the next day. How many know? How many know it's true? Busy things to take care of things. Solomon said, "The more you have, it's a vexation of spirit. If you own it, you either gotta feed it or maintain it." How many know it's true? And clean up after it. And there's a, it can be one of these things to where the list gets bigger and you don't feel like you're getting anything done. How many's ever worked? Do you feel like the more you work, the bigger the list got? Yeah, it's true. And she's over here frustrated because I'm trying to get this ready for him and she's doing nothing. And what you got to understand, we can spend so much time trying to make the house nice, trying to make the, the vehicles nice, everything nice that we forget about a relationship with our own kids. Hear me. We can forget about it's about a relationship. 
Jesus didn't come to your house for a house inspection. He came to your house to have a relationship with you. And we can work so hard trying to have nice things for people that we love because you are careful about, he said, you're careful. What it means is you do care so much, you want it to be perfect. But we can want our world to be so perfect, we forget about the whole, the, 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 the reality and the most important part, the most needful part, it's relationship. We can't be so busy trying to get our children nice things that we don't have a relationship with our children. Almost every man I've talked to that's over 50 and I talk to him, what are your biggest regret? They say, I wish I'd have never worked one day of overtime. I wish I'd have spent more time with my kids. Are y'all hearing me today? You know, you don't have that cradle falling anymore, do you? No, we gotta have relationship. And if we're not careful, we will spend all of our time trying to keep up, with, keep up with people we don't even know and probably don't even like. And forget about the relationship of communication. He said to her, and I want to say to you right now, is that when we come to the house of God and I say to every minister in the building, we can try to get the building ready so much and everything ready that we come to church and don't even have a relationship with God. We're going to try to get everything ready at home, don't even have a relationship with our spouse. And be so busy, we only have a relationship with the kids. I submit to you today, he said, there's one thing that is needful. Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Here's the point. If you will take time for relationship, the rest of it is gonna take care of itself. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. If you put the to-do list before the relationship, you're not going to get the to-do list done and you're not going to have the relationship. I say to every parent, start your day in prayer. Start your day with God. Sitting with the Lord is not doing nothing. It's refueling. It's getting clarity. It's getting direction. Can I say that Mary in the word is Mary with God. You can't separate, put, put, put your hand, spirit and truth. His word, his presence. You can't separate really. You, you've got one, you've got the other. And when you are reading your Bible and there's a to-do list done over here to do, if you'll do this first, you will get this part taken care of. You will not spend time with God and he not give you time to get what you need done. If you will take time for the Lord, I promise you, he's gonna give you time and clarity and wisdom, direction and energy and health and it will even bless your finances to do what you need to do in your family. God expects us to be balanced. Let's clap our hands and thank God for his word. Time spent with the Lord is time well spent. I learned years ago that God does not speak to a weary mind and God does not speak to a busy mind. Weary and busy. Everybody say weary or busy. God expects you to take time. It doesn't matter your doctrinal opinion right now about the Sabbath. It is though one of the 10 commandments that most of us probably do not keep. I know there's, 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 there's biblical New Testament thoughts in here. I don't want to get awkward here, but here's the fact. Is God expects us to take time 
to do this. He worked six days and he rested on the seventh. How many know that? Not because he was tired. The Almighty can't get tired. How many know he's God? But in God manifest in the flesh as a son of God, which was our example, guess what? He was wearied with this journey and what did he do? He sat on the well, talked about getting a drink out of the well. And I say to you today is that if we're not careful, we will try to reach things that God never called us to reach. I told, everybody hold your arm up like this. Everybody, oh my goodness. Yeah, you, know, you gotta get, stretch it out there a little bit. The world's big. There's a, there's a lot to accomplish in a lifetime. Yeah, that's it. Everybody's got it up here. Everybody's, come on, Carol, help me. Get your arms up there. Everybody say the world. I found myself at one point as a young minister, as a young parent, I found myself trying to reach the world. While I'm sleeping, people are dying going into eternity. I'd get up at 4.45 in the morning for prayer. I'd get home at 11.30 at night working juvenile jails and Bible studies and I was trying to reach the world. Don't get your hands up there. Don't, don't put them down. That's, you don't notice that's getting heavy. It's, it's, it's just the weight of your hand and arm. Everybody say it's heavy. Well, you get tired. You can put your hands down. You're welcome, amen. But our problem is we try to reach things God didn't cause to reach. Do things God didn't cause to do. Buy things God didn't intend for us to buy. Everybody take your hand like this. God called you to reach your part of the world, not the world. He called you not to do everything, but he called you to do something. We are members in particular. We are members in particular. And remember this, God will give you the emotion. He will give you the spiritual strength and the finances to do what he's called you to do. But if you try to get outside of that, you're gonna be emotionally bankrupt. Ask Brother Barsati, and he won't mind me sharing. He was in and he, when he comes in, we'll evaluate where he is and what's going on. And, and he was here and I said, what, what has God called you to do? He said, he's called me to reach Vietnam. I said, well, praise God. How many people are there? He said, 92 million. Oh, that's all. 92 million people. So he's called you to reach 92 million people? Yeah. Well, I mean, that can happen in a year. We'll see you in a year. Come on back. I was exaggerating that, by the way. If you, I wasn't serious when I said that just now. He didn't call you to reach 92 people. He didn't call you to reach all of Vietnam. Are y'all hearing me today? He called you to reach part of it. Everybody say part of it. And if you will reach what God's called you to reach, he will give you the emotion. He will give you the spiritual emotion. And he will also give you the finances to reach what he's called you to reach. God expects us to be balanced. Let me tell you what happens. And if we start doing things God didn't call us to do, we will feel incomplete, unaccomplished, and that will impart into our children. They will feel incomplete, unaccomplished, and their job is never done. They will live their life feeling they're not good enough because we told them they were this when God said, this is what I want them to do. Our job as a parent is to be balanced. I don't know if I lost you at the cradle. Or did I lose you 10 minutes? I don't know. Are y'all with me right now? 
Listen, or, or, or do I teach them? You are fearfully, wonderfully made. God has a specific plan for you. You don't have to compare yourself to somebody else. Quit trying to keep up with people you don't even know and be what God called you to be and you'll never know who that is until you find a merry moment. Until you find something that you choose. Mary didn't find this, she chose this. She could have been busy. She could have got the list done. And if I get the list done, and then I'm gonna take time for this, it will never happen. But if you will choose this, a personal devotion, alone with God, calling on the name of the Lord, asking God questions and learning his voice to speak back to you, I promise you, you will not be troubled. You will have peace. The Bible says we will be complete in him. Let's clap our hands and thank God today for his word. Today we, we understand and thank, thank you Mary for helping me. Give her a hand, isn't she wonderful? God didn't intend for us to live every day frustrated. He intended for us to live every day in his devotion and to walk with him. We need a relationship with the Lord. Let's lift our hands, let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. Oh God, I love you today. I pray for every parent in the building, Lord, will find balance in their life. God, to become and to do what you've called them to do and become. I pray over this congregation that have gathered here, family from out of state, friends that are near, that God, they would be encouragers to them. Lord, to train up these children in the way they should go. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says amen. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.